Hello, and welcome to City Hope Church. Today we'll be having guest preacher, Pastor Nathan Ironside, bring a message on worship. Wow. It's amazing to be here, church. Thank you. You know you guys are really special, you know that? I mean that. You're very special. This is a great, great group of people. You know, my wife said to me this morning, she said, when she came in, she said, these guys are really special. I said, I know, you know, we had these conversations. And she said, you know, no, no, like really, Nathan, there, there's something really special about these guys. I was like, yeah, baby, I know, I know. You know. She said, no, no, Nathan, no, no. No, Nathan, listen to me. These guys are really special. They're really kind. They're really friendly. There's a special atmosphere. I was like, yeah, no, you actually, you're, you're right. You know, she got my attention. I'm not just saying it because, you know, we get to travel a lot of different places, but you guys are special. You carry something. You have amazing pastors, amazing leaders, amazing leaders and family in this church. You guys know that. Come on. Praise God for it. But sincerely, uh, God's doing something special here. And like Mary said, make room for the new. You've made room for the new in, in terms of just some changes here in the auditorium. You've bought new seats. What's that doing? Making room for the new. Come on, God's speaking today. So in your heart as well, in your life as well, get ready somebody. Make room for the new. I need to double check something. Am I supposed to be preaching right now? I am, just checking. Just making sure that I didn't miss something in the service. Okay, here we go. All right, just checking. Listen, uh, it's an honor to be here. Really, really is. My wife and I are, are here in Australia. We come... Um, we try to come once a year, and most years we do. Um, we, we get to make it once a year. And this time was really special because we just uh, gave birth. Well, I didn't. My wife gave birth. Aren't you glad about that? She, all the men said amen. Uh, she gave birth to a little son. His name is Joshua Hope, as you know. He's eight weeks old right now. So the last eight weeks, our sleep has been turned upside down. We're try- finally starting to get him to like sleep at night and be awake during the day. It's taken a while, but we're getting there. So, uh, praise God, we're here, we're alive, that's, that's what matters. So we're really honored to have this time here, and I, I'm just going to be connecting with Pastor Peter uh, this coming week, actually, on some cool projects that we're looking at together for Global Care. Uh, last year, we started Global Care Colombia. Someone say, praise God. <laughs> praise God. And uh, we started, and it's been a good start, and we have a big vision and an amazing team that are working on things as we speak over there, uh, and just... Get ready. God's doing good things and so inspired But we, what we have heard about this church and what you have done and been doing in the community here. And so you guys are like an example for us. It's like a way to say, wow, what is City Hope doing? What's part of Pastor Peter doing there? And so thank you for that. Keep it up because you're not just blessing people here locally. You're an example for us to follow. You're an example for, and I believe other churches that we eventually plant in, in South America, Colombia and South America, will follow as well. So praise God for that. Keep it, keep it up, guys. So this morning, I'm going to go straight into the Word, okay? Um, I would love to talk about who I am and my experience and my testimony, but I'm not here to do that. I'm here to serve you and serve God, and I just want to jump straight into the Word. Is that okay? All right, great. Maybe if we have some extra time, we'll, we'll throw some testimonies in there. But I have a Word in my heart this morning. And uh, to do that in a moment, uh, just in a moment, guys, I'm going to ask you to play that video, Hallelujah, and uh, in a second. And we're going to have a look at an amazing piece of music. Is anyone here a music fan? I mean, everyone loves music, but I mean a real music fan. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, there's a couple of you. Right. So I am, obviously, as a producer, it's over 50 albums now. 
Uh, actually, I'm just finishing eight albums right now, like in these coming weeks. Um, different artists from Puerto Rico, from Argentina, from Colombia, from the USA. And so that's what I do. I'm a songwriter and music producer, but I'm actually studying as well to be a pastor. And so this season has been amazing, but also I've been going back to my roots and I studied music and I studied composition and I studied music production um, uh, here in, oh, sorry, in Brisbane. And so that's a passion of mine. Music is a great, great passion. And I like to stay in touch with what's happening and I like to study what's happened in the history. And one of my recent studies of music and history, I was so confronted by what I discovered that inspired me so much. I'm going to kind of preach out of that today a little bit. So can we just play that video? Crank it up, turn it up. It's a song that you may have heard before and you might like, I don't know, but just crank it up, would you? George Frederick Handel is generally regarded as one of the greatest composers who ever lived. Born in Germany, but spent most of his adult life in England, he eventually was made a citizen of the British Empire. His father was a physician, physician and he helped and hoped that George would follow in his footsteps. But his interest in music was simply too overwhelming. George proceeded to write over 20 oratos and more than 40 full operas, as well as numerous concert, concerts, cantatas, anthems, and sonatas. Handel's life, however, was anything but tranquil. He was notoriously hot-tempered, frequently engaging in fights, a drunkard, and always in contentions with other musicians. He hit an especially low point in his life in 1741 at the age of 57, he was hopelessly in debt and was suffering from a severe depression. One day, a young poet and man of God named Charles Jennings appeared unannounced at his door. He delivered to handle a collection of biblical passages under the title of a sacred oratorio. His half-hearted attitude and response as he began to read the words suddenly changed. As he began to read the prophetic utterance of Revelation of Isaiah concerning the coming of the Messiah, it began to lift him up from his depression and he reverberated in his soul. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. As if by divine compulsion, Handel began to compose. He remained in, a total, in total seclusion for the next 25 days, often going without any food so he would not be interrupted from his work. At times he would leap into the air, waving his hands about, shouting, Hallelujah, worthy is the Lamb. When it was done, he said, I think I did see all of heaven before me and the great God himself. What he wrote, we know today as the Messiah. As one author put it, considering the immensity of the work, 
that fills 260 pages of manuscript and the short time that it evolved in, it will remain perhaps forever the greatest feat in the whole of history of musical composition. It was first performed on April 13th in 1742 and the following year performed in London for the first time as the choir began to sing the majestic and now world famous piece Hallelujah, the chorus. King George II was so stirred in his soul that he rose to his feet and lifted his hands. The audience spontaneously followed suit and remained standing with hands lifted until the chorus had ended. This response is definitely not normal and has not been repeated since. The chorus is, by universal consensus, the single most inspiring and spiritually charged chorus of praise and worship ever written. One cannot help but wonder what moved Handel to write it. What inspired him? What had he seen or heard or felt that led him to compose this hymn of praise? The Messiah as a whole and the Hallelujah Chorus in particular were inspired by Handel's meditation on the exaltation and majestic portrait of God in Revelation 4 and 5. This passage of scripture is a vision of the majesty of a sovereign God in complete control of his creation. From an earthly perspective, it might seem that the enemies of the kingdom of God are winning. Christians are being persecuted, imprisoned, and martyred. Tragedy and trial and turmoil are rampant, and the great dragon, Satan, the beast, and the false prophet appear to have the upper hand. But John's vision in Revelation 4 and 5 reveals that appearances can be deceiving. The course of history is not determined by political intrigue or military might, but by God. What John discovered and prophesied was Handel, is what Handel also must have learnt, is that there are two worlds, two dimensions of reality. One is earthly and visible, the other is heavenly and invisible. And remarkably, it is the latter which controls and determines the former. It is if to say that the Holy Spirit says to John, and to us today, listen to me. Things are not as they appear, but I'm about to show you things as that they really are. I'm about to take you into the throne room of God, into the control room behind the curtain of God himself. Things are not crazy chaos. The devil has not won. The evil has not triumphed. Neither fate or chance governs the universe. He who was and is to come has everything well underhand. The truth is that when there is chaos from the enemy and Satan and his demons that are raising up to evoke a plan, there is a plan and there is something else happening in heaven. Praise God. So, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I wanted to read that to you today. Um, a part of my studies that I was doing was on Handel. George Frederick Handel and Bach, amongst others. And it just impacted me so much, some of these guys who were great, great men of God. Did you know that? Not all of them, but many of them were great, great men of God, going right the way back, that started this form of music that we know as classical music. Then the same thing happened with jazz, the same thing happened with blues, the same thing happened with R&B, the same thing happened, I'm sorry, but yes, with hip-hop, the same thing happened with all these different kinds of genres that we can sometimes write off, but you see, it's the heart behind it, it's God releasing a sound to use an, as an expression. And the reality is that any person that has a gift of music that's given by God can grab those sounds and use them for whatever pur purpose they want to. Are you with me? We have technology, we have internet, we can use it to glorify God, or we can use it to glorify the enemy. 
So the same is with music. Now we have Handel, this amazing man who, who did grow up believing in God, who had strayed. And right now he's fighting with people. He's in debt. He's depressed. He's a drunkard. And he had a little bit of success as a musician, but not a lot and not enough to say he was a phenomenal uh, composer, but just a little. He was a little bit known in those regions. But then something happened and changed. He had an encounter with the Word of God. He had an encounter with Jesus. He saw what John prophesied in Revelation that we've been looking at. And I want to have a look at the passage that he's talking about that we're talking about. Handel was studying and looking at Isaiah and Revelation 4 and 5. Can we have a look at that today? I'm going to read out a part of that for you. Revelation 4, verse 8 to 11. If you're taking notes, just jot it down and look at it in your own time. Revelation 4, verse 8 to 11 says this. Get this picture with me. The four living creatures, each having six wings. Can you see that? That's just amazing. If you need to just close your eyes, every time I just, I need to meditate upon this. It's, it's like a, it's a spectacular movie. You know what I mean? I don't know if you like movies, but I love to go and see a good movie. And they're so creative and, you know, full of uh, characters. But these characters here are amazing. There's four living creatures, each having six wings. They were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him, who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him, who sits on the throne, and worship Him, who lives forever and ever. Are you catching this? And they cast their thrones before the throne, their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. This is amazing. So we have thousands of angels. We have these, these living creatures that are magnificent. We have the 24 elders. And what are they doing? They're crying out. They're worshiping holy, holy, holy. Just close your eyes with me for a moment, would you? And just use your God-given imagination just to see that. Can you see the throne? Can you see the light emanating from the throne of God? There might be a river there, a river of grace. But you can see these, these magnificent creatures. You can see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels. There's 24 elders. They're taking off their crowns and they're throwing them to the floor, casting them down, the Bible says, as they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They declare the greatness of who He is. Okay, this is incredible. It impacts me so much to think about what's happening in heaven. This, this picture that we have that, that, that God sort of pulls back the curtain and reveals to John that now we have it in writing to see this amazing image, this amazing picture of what's going on up there. I don't know about you, but this just fascinates me. And my cry, my heart is, God, show me more. If I could just be there for a moment and just see and feel what's really going on in there, I think it would change my perspective forever on the earth. Are you with me? One day we're going to be there. Is that right? I hope you are. 
If you're not, if you're not sure, maybe at the end there'll be an opportunity for you to secure that with confidence, your salvation, your future eternity with Christ. But that's reality. We're going to be there. And I love this. Let's go to Revelation 5. We're going to look at Revelation 5 now, 8 to 14. It's really great if you go and read Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. Check it out. And I know you guys are looking at the book of Revelation this month. Am I right? So check out those two chapters, 4 and 5. It's incredible the way it explains and shows and reveals what's happening in heaven. So let's look at 5, 8 to 14. It says, Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp of golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. We were talking about that this morning. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Verse 10, you have made us kings and priests to God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the 24 living creatures said, sorry, the four living creatures said, Amen. Then the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever. Revelation 19, 4, I'm going to read it quickly, says, And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all of you servants and those of you who fear him, both great and small, praise our God. The hit song of heaven is Worthy is the Lamb. <laughs> we sing a lot of songs on the earth that are great. And it's all good. But the number one song in heaven is Worthy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lord. That's amazing to me. I love to sing that like we sang this morning. You're holy, you're worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Let's look at this. Matthew 6 verse 10. We're going to jump right now forward to Jesus, the words of Jesus. And Jesus said this, words that we know really well. Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you catch that? Without going into that too much more, I want you to catch something this morning. We just read an image, a picture, a preview, if you like, of what's happening in heaven, Right? Now we hear the words of Jesus, the principle and command of Jesus. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He said, I want you to pray like this. Pray and believe and declare and live like this. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you a simple question. What's happening in heaven? Praise. 
What else is happening? Worship. What else is happening? They're rejoicing. What else is happening? Peace. Peace like a river is flowing. There's an atmosphere of joy. There's an atmosphere of worship. There's people letting go of things and even throwing things down to say, you are worthy, God. Listen to this. Stay with me. How can we bring this culture of worship in heaven to the earth? I'm going to give you a couple of keys. Is that okay? Number one, listen to this. They do not rest saying, expressing, declaring their worship. In other words, don't stop worshiping God. Are you with me? Paul said, pray without ceasing. I want to say to you, worship without ceasing. How do we, how do we live out this heaven on the earth? Well, we're called to live as a life as worshipers because we were born to worship. You were born to worship. Are you with me? What do you mean, Nathan? I was born to sing? No, no, no. I didn't say sing. Some of you probably shouldn't sing. But you were born to worship. But you can shout. Everyone can shout. You can speak. Everyone can speak. You can surrender. You can express. You can say the worship and the things that you have in your heart towards God. We are born to worship and we're called to worship. That's the first way that we're going to start to live this culture of freedom, of celebration, of joy, of peace that we can see in heaven. You see, there is chaos on the earth. Is that right? I don't know about you, but I live in Medellin, Colombia, South America, and it's a little bit chaotic. It's a little bit chaotic. How was Fiji, guys? How'd you go over there? Was it chaotic a little bit? A little bit chaotic. I'm sure it was amazing, right? Yeah. But at the same time, as, as the world is amazing and there's so much good happening, there's also a little bit of chaos. Well, I don't know about you, but the Bible prophesies in Revelation that it's going to get more chaotic. Are you, with, are you with me today? Sometimes we like to think, well, everything's just going to get better and we're going to live in a perfect world eventually because technology is helping us. Well, actually, it's going to get worse. Sorry to tell you that the world is going to get darker. Is there an amen in the house? It's a bit quiet. The world is going to get darker and a bit more chaotic in the decades and centuries to come, right? But the good news is, and the good news of the gospel is the church is going to get brighter. The church is going to shine the love of Christ. We're going to be salt and light on the earth and get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And you, yes, you are going to shine with the glory of God brighter and brighter and brighter. But to do that, we've got to live heaven on the earth. And the first thing is, is, is our identity as sons and daughters is that we're worshipers, right? And it's not about the song. That's one expression. There are many, many other expressions of worship that we can go into another time. I'm, so, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. The second thing that they did, I want you to catch this. First, they do not stop worshiping. It's part of our daily lives. This morning in the car, Mary and I, we were up early, you know, whatever it was, for something. And first thing we did is we just said, praise God. She put on a cup of tea. I had a coffee. She had a tea. We said, praise God. We didn't talk much. We just said, praise God. Just thank you, God. We're awake. We're alive. We got in the car on the way here. Um, thankfully, Joshua fell asleep. And we just thank you, God. We just took five minutes. We just said, praise God. Thank you, God. Like, we're here. We just thank you for our family. Thank you that uh, we're able to do what we get to do. We're, we're following the passion that you've given us. We're living in the calling that you've given us. We just begin to talk and, and talk to God and say thanks to Him. Yeah? That is worship. 
You know that prayer is a conversation and prayer is a part of your worship? So if prayer is a conversation and prayer is your part, of wor- part of your worship, that means that if, if prayer is a conversation, it's not just a one-way dialogue, right? God, I'm talking to you. No, that He's also speaking to you, yeah? Prayer is a two-way conversation. It's, it's not just a one-way dialogue, you to God, God, I need, I need, I need, help me, I need, I need. That's not prayer. That's you bringing your petitions before God, which is also right to do, but that's not the only part of prayer. Prayer is a conversation, an interaction that is part of your worship, right? So that's the case, and, and, and we can pray without ceasing and worship without ceasing. That means that God is also listening without ceasing and communicating to us without ceasing. That means there's always a word for you. There's always an encouragement for you if you're willing to listen. So this morning, for example, part of what we did is, God, thank you. We just thank you for your protection. Thank you for blessing us. We thank you for City Hope Church. Prepare their hearts today. Every person, new person, or every person that's going to be there. Father, we just ask that you just speak to them today. We're praying like this. And then we just, we're silent for a minute. And begin to listen. Just listen. Even my daughter's like, Daddy, Mommy, what's going on? We're just listening. God, speak to us, speak to us, confirm to us. You know, that's worship and that's prayer. Are you with me today? There's times to shout, there's times to kneel, there's times to jump, there's times to praise, there's times to be silent and listen because it's a two-way conversation. So don't stop this. Don't stop this prayer life. Don't stop this worship. Right now you're worshiping. Right now you can be in prayer. Right now you can just be agreeing with what I'm saying and God confirms it and does something in your heart or you can just sit there and and kind of block it out. Are you with me today? So you decide right now what the rest of the service is going to be. Number two, they don't stop falling down and humbling themselves. James 4:10 says humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. They don't stop humbling themselves. See, sometimes we need to humble ourselves. Are you catching that? We need to humble ourselves. And if we fa- I've experienced this, if we fail to humble ourselves, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, if we fail to humble ourselves, life will humble us. Are you with me? If we fail and we refuse to humble ourselves, life, situations, someone else will humble us. And God will allow that. Are you with me? That's another message, but I want you to catch that. It's part of this concept of God. How can we bring heaven to the earth? First, don't stop worshiping. Don't stop speaking life, speaking thanksgiving, speaking praise, declaring it with your heart, and listening and partaking in the conversation of heaven. Secondly, humble yourself. See, this is amazing. Do you know who the 24 elders are? The 24 elders are the men and women of God that were found most faithful on the earth with what they had in their hands. I don't know who they are. Maybe it's Pastor Peter. Maybe one of them is Pastor Peter. I don't know. But 24 elders are men and women who were faithful with what they had in their hands that God elects them to be one of the elders. Yeah? Are you with me? Okay. So here we have the 24 elders, the most faithful and blessed at the, I would say it's, it's the position of most honor that any man, any person could receive. Yeah, I don't know about you, but if God said to me, after the decades and millennium and billions of people that have passed through the earth, God said, you're one of the elders, you're one of the 24. Oh my God, but I'm nothing. 
But for whatever reason, if he elected me to be that, that would be amazing. <laughs> but it says here that even though they have a crown and they have a throne, so you have the throne of God, right? Picture it with me, the throne of God. And then you have these 24 thrones, small thrones, smaller thrones, around the throne of God that are also made of gold and they have a robe and they have a crown. They're there. These men and women of God that have been just exalted and blessed by this amazing position, dare I say the most important position that anyone can receive for eternity to have a small throne are in the throne of God. Are you with me today? Okay. What are they doing? They don't stop getting off their thrones. They don't sit on them. They get off their thrones they take off their crowns, they don't place it, they cast it, and they throw it on the ground saying, we are not worthy for this, only you are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. And they humble themselves. Are you with me today? So if they are doing that, an elder elected by God, the highest honor that any human being could be given, they do not stop humbling themselves. Third, they, as they throw down their crowns, they get off their thrones, and as they throw down the crown, a crown represents authority. When someone wears a crown, it's literally a representation of authority. If you were to, to, to be before the Archbishop of Canterbury in, in, in England, in the UK, at the right time, if he said the right words at the right time while placing the crown of you over you, you would be king or queen of England. Just like that. Because when the right person, we're talking about God right now, puts a specific crown on you at a specific time, saying specific words, you will be king or queen of England. That's it. That's what has to happen. Now, in God's world, in God's kingdom, these elders are throwing down their crowns. What does that mean? They're throwing down their authority, their position. They're not just humbling themselves and stepping off the throne that they have and bowing down and worship on their hands, on their knees, on their faces. They're also throwing off the very thing that represents their position, that represents their rights. And I don't know about you, but in Australia, we go on a lot about it, that I have rights and I have a right to this, and I have a right to that, and I have a right to this, and I have a right to that. When I got married, when I first got married, 10 years ago now, I've learned a lot in those 10 years, still a lot more to go, but I've learned a lot. One of the first things I learned is that it's not about my rights. You know, are you with me? Because God sees us as one. Well, actually, I have a right to that. Well, actually, no, you don't. My body belongs to her. Her body belongs to me. That's what the Bible says. Are you with me? Some of you are looking at me like, what? Yeah, that's what the Bible says, that I belong to her. And she belongs to me. I don't have a right over myself in that sense anymore. Are you hearing me today? So when we say, God, we surrender. We throw down our earthly crowns. We throw down our positions of authorities. And we surrender to you. We say, your will be done, not my will be done. That's bringing the culture of heaven to earth. Are you with me today? I believe God's speaking to someone here today about humility and about worship. You see, the angels and the creatures, they know that they are not worthy. So they bow down. They throw down their positions. They throw down their honors. If they are doing that, how much more do I need to do that here on the earth today? If the elders, exalted elders, are doing that, how much more do
do you and I need to learn how to worship here today? So we're getting a slice of heaven. We're getting a picture of what it's like and what it could be like on the earth. You see, humility is worship. God raises up the humble. God exalts the humble, but rejects the proud. Did you catch that? It's not just that he exalts the humble. He also rejects the proud. Wow. Ouch. That hurts. Anybody with me today? Come on. Some of us need to humble ourselves because God rejects the proud. Oh, my God. I don't know about you. I know a merciful, kind, gracious God, but because of my own proud and my resistance to Him, I don't want to be rejected because that's His Word and He's faithful to His Word. Are you with me? I'm not saying today that God wants to reject you. Don't write a letter to Pastor Peter that says, what was that guy talking about? I'm not saying <laughs> that's the last thing that God wants for you. But God has a law. He's, he's the creator. He set up these laws called like, like sowing and reaping, for example. Yeah? Like giving and receiving. There's also something around humility. When we humble ourselves and surrender, you see, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way into your life. God is a gentleman. He's not going to force his will upon you. He is sovereign and all-powerful, but he's not going to force his strength upon you. Are you with me today? When I was playing with Hannah yesterday, she knows that she can do whatever she wants with her dad. And she runs and she runs towards me with all her strength, and she just runs into me and tries to knock me over. Right? Now, I'm on the ground, and she jumps on me. I mean, she really jumps, and she really punches. She knows the only one in the world that she can punch is dad. And she'll punch me. and say, that's it. Come on, harder. And she'll punch me, and we'll just have a wrestle, and we have fun, okay? Sometimes I've got to try and hold her back. <laughs> Not so I get hurt, but so she doesn't hurt herself. Now, what would happen as if a dad, if I used all of my strength against her? What would happen? I'd crush her. She'd be gone like that. You know, if I sat on her, forget about it. But she's using all of her strength. You see, God is like that. He is all-powerful. He's sovereign. But he holds back his own strength in respect for us. Are you with me? It's a bit of a picture, I guess, about the strength of God, the power of God. He loves us so much. He doesn't want to hurt us or see us hurt ourselves. But you see, we've got to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. The greatest thing that I, can, that I can see in my relationship with my daughter is that when she's out of line, it happened to me the other day. We were in church. We were in Townsville. We did a worship service and, uh, you know, just ministering there. It was amazing. So uh, I was in the front row here, and, and Hannah grabbed my phone, Okay. And, and these four-year-olds these days, they know how to use the iPhones. I didn't grow up with an iPhone, but it's incredible. So she's grabbed this phone, and she even knows the password. And she puts the password in, and she's on my phone, and she's flipping through the applications, and she finds Netflix. Boom. She puts Netflix on, and she's watching Netflix in the middle of church. I'm like, baby, no. I'm like, no, 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 put it away. Well, she didn't. And she gave me those four-year-old eyes like, I said, no, baby, put it away. So I just felt like, just, just leave it for a second. As a dad, I'm always just like, okay, what should I do? I'm not going to make a massive scene and pick her up. and No, so I just, okay. So a few seconds later, she's, she's starting it again. I said, Hannah, no, 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 just, I tapped on the knee, no, no. And then God began to speak to me. He said, Nathan, you're just like that. I said, what? He said, yeah, it's arrogance. 
Eventually she stopped and she put the phone down and she kind of sat there like, Daddy, I did it, okay, I'm obedient. And he, he spoke to me, he said, you're just like that. I said, what do you mean, God? Like, I speak to you to do something. If you don't act and respond immediately, it's disobedience and it's arrogance. Are you with me today? And sometimes we think that we can just get away with our, our attitude, or whatever it is that's going on, for just a few more seconds. And the Holy Spirit's there saying, hey, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to you. And God began to speak to me about instant obedience and instant change of my attitude and my mindset and the areas that He's speaking to me about. Just to respond to Him, that's humility. Yeah? Humility. So I don't know why I'm pulling out these examples, but I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking right now to someone here about humility. So if we can get those three things in line, if we can develop a culture in our personal life of praise, of thanksgiving, of speaking life constantly. Anyone can do that with me today? And if we can humble ourselves, like the Word says, humble ourselves, if not someone or something is eventually going to humble you. And that hurts a bit more. Yeah? Third, if we can learn how to let go of our position and our rights that sometimes we hold on to so tightly, when God says, no, 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 I'm your justice, no, no, I'm your defense, I'm your lawyer, and I declare you free in my name. If we can grab a hold of that and begin to let go of the things that sometimes we hold so tightly, our titles or our, our rights as people, I believe that God can begin to invade our lives, invade the earth, invade our church a little bit more. Are you with me today? I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to close here in a moment. There's a lot more to say about this, but I just sense in my heart that there's someone here today and you need to make that response. Maybe you're like Handel. Listen. He was 57 years old, 57, and he had an encounter with God. He saw a glimpse of heaven, what we've been talking about today, the culture of worship that's happening through praise, through declaring, through worshiping, through not stopping this conversation of worship, through humbling himself, through letting go of his rights, surrendering his life. He was confronted by the Word, and he responded to the Word, and he went on to do a miracle, to do the impossible. That was right, a manuscript of 260 pages, a piece of music that experts say should have taken two and a half years to write. He did it in three weeks, and he released it, and it became the number one, still to this day, most influential work of worship and praise and influential music throughout the earth, still to this day. A 57-year-old depressed drunk did that. So I don't know where you're at, but I do know that God can do something in your life. I do know that if you allow His Word to confront you, the, the reality of what's happening in heaven is that there's not chaos. Even if there's chaos in your life, there's not chaos in heaven. And you can bring that culture and that reality of heaven to your personal life today. And it's not too late for you. It doesn't matter how old you are, it's not too late. Whatever, Nathan. What are you Listen to me. Moses was 80 years old when he started his ministry. He was 80 when he started. And over the next 10, 20 years and more, he led the people of Israel out of Egypt. He was a leader of 3 million people, leading them out of prison into another nation, a new nation that didn't exist. Are you hearing me? That's a great leader. He started at the age of 80. 
And you're saying it's too late. You haven't started yet, mate. Come on. This guy, Handel, has been a world influence. He went on to write dozens and dozens of influential songs and pieces of music. There's gold in you too. Your best days of creativity, your best works are ahead of you. If you believe it, if you allow it to be. I have. I was confronted with this and I said, what am I doing? I've produced however many stuff, but no, that's not enough. The best is yet to come. I refuse to believe that it's over. I refuse to believe that I need to stay here. I refuse to believe that I declare that over my own life. I want to be confronted by the culture of heaven and I want to bring it and I want to live it on the earth. And my best works, my best songs, my best projects are ahead of me in Jesus' name. And I believe that for you too. And I'm living it. And I'm going to live it out for a long time. I'm believing to live to well over 100. And I'm declaring that my best days and best years are ahead of me in Jesus' name. And I want that for you. It's not too late. Wherever you are, it's not too late. Allow God's Word to confront your life today. You can be like Handel, just rejoicing, going crazy, saying, Hallelujah, I see it now. And you can go out. Maybe there's a new business. Maybe it's a new vision for a project. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a new relationship. Maybe it's restoration of a relationship. God can do miracles. Just close your eyes in this place. Father, I just invite your presence right here. As we close our eyes, we just focus in on you. God, I know that you're speaking to hearts here right now in this place. God, you're stirring hope. You're stirring visions. You're stirring dreams in people in the house today. God, there's people here that have been depressed maybe. They've been distracted. They have been discouraged. They've been apathetic. Or they've been living under intense pressure. I just... I just feel there's someone here and you're living under pressure. You're living under pressure of finances, of work situation, of businesses, of economy stuff. I just feel that for you. God wants to say to you, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. The best is yet if you still believe it. Come on, stir yourself up this morning. There's some others here. You need a healing in your heart, a healing in your life, a restoration in order for you to stand up and take up the calling and pick up the gifts of God and pick up the creativity and the vision of God again in your heart. The best is yet to come for you if you'll take it, if you'll believe it, if you'll humble yourself. You can live it out. Father, right now in this place, I believe that you're calling and knocking on people's hearts right now. There's specific things that you're saying. And Father, also for all of us, God, we believe that there's more. We believe that there's more for us, Father. There's more. And we want to live heaven on the earth. Like that revelation of heaven. We want to live that out. That sense of peace. That sense of joy. That sense of connection and relationship with you. That freedom, God. We want that in our lives on the earth. And so we say today, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. Come on, say it with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. Thank you, Jesus. I want to make an opportunity right now for the next two minutes. Pastor Peter is going to come in a moment. But if you're here today and you would say, I can identify with that story. I've been through some things. Or I'm okay and I'm apathetic, but I see the light. I need God in my life. Or maybe you can identify that there's areas of your life that you would like to see different. Maybe you feel like a failure in certain areas. Maybe completely you feel like a failure. But if you know 
the Word of God is confronting you today. This image of heaven, this image of perfection in the middle of chaos is confronting you today. If that's you and you want more, I just want you to lift up your hand in this place today. Just simply lift up your hand. Okay, there's hands going up. Come on. Lift up your hand if that's you. Come on, there's a cry in your heart. There's more for you. Come on, lift up your hands. Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you do. Maybe you've had a relationship with Him. Maybe you haven't. But whatever the case, come on, lift up your hand high right now as a sign of faith, saying, God, yes, that is me. It's not over, and I want what you have for me. Come on, that's a word for someone. It's not over. It's not over. Yeah, you stuffed up, but it's not over. Yeah, you made mistakes, but it's not over. Yeah, you made intentional, stupid mistakes, but yes, it's not over. It's not over for you. Right now, I want to pray. Pastor Peter, could you come? We're going to pray together here today. I just want to respect the time, but I want to flow with you. So let's, can we pray for these guys? Awesome. Father, we pray for every person here. Just How about we just lift up our hands in this place, if that's okay? And uh, if you're one of those people and you raised your hand and just receive this right now. In Jesus' name, every person here, we're all agreeing in faith right now. We declare, Father, a spiritual awakening them right now. They know who they are. God, I can see them spiritually. I see that you're touching hearts right now. There's fires being lighted, ignited in people's hearts right now. God, I, de- I declare a new vision, a new purpose as they are confronted by your word. They would humble themselves, Father. They would cast down their own rights and their own judgments of themselves even, God, and begin to see themselves as you see them. And you declare them. You declare them free. You see them as free. You declare that they sons and daughters. You see them as the apple of your eye. You see them as an identity with Christ. You see them as righteous. You see them as justified. You see them as joyful. You see them as full of resources. May they live out what you see and have for them in Jesus' name. I declare that peace and that joy and that culture of worship, that culture of praise, and that culture of life over them now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for it, God. Thank you for it. Come on, give God praise in this place. Right now, He's touching hearts, touching lives. Right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We worship you. Church, I bless you. Thank you, Pastor Peter, for having us. Truly, I'm excited about what God has done and is doing here. And I encourage you to live out that culture of worship. Be that church that everyone says, man, they worship. Uh, if you meet one of them in a cafe, man, they just like praise God. They talk like life. I'm not talking about Christian ease or religious talk. I'm talking about life coming out of you. Amen. I bless you. It's an honor to be here. Hopefully we'll see you real soon. And you'll hear about, through Pastor Peter, what's happening over at Columbia. All right. Bless you. Thank you. Come on, thank Nathan again. That's awesome. What a great word. Inspiring word. Fantastic church. We're going to finish off with a praise song. Uh, but church is dismissed. Stay and have some food, fellowship in the cafe, Cafe Esperanza, and uh, just connect uh, and just talk, talk worship. Uh, that's a great word, just a really great word. Uh, fantastic. So have a fantastic week. Thank you, worship team. Uh, let's, let's go out with a powerful praise song. All right, awesome. Bless church. Hope you enjoyed that message. Have a blessed week.